in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable, the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Lizzie Haynes. Lizzie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. We have a first-time guest coming to you from Los Angeles, California. It is our special guest, Laura Hunter-Drago. Laura, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, you're so good. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Laura is an award-winning film producer, screenwriter, actress, model living out in L.A. She's a champion of women in the film industry. Laura, are there any of your efforts you want to tell our listeners about? Sure. Um, I just released a new audio drama podcast this week called The Crime at Camp Ashwood. And um, we also just won the Austin Film Festival with that project. So super exciting. So cool. Congrats. That's awesome. That is amazing. Yes. Check this out. That that is great. Well, we usually like to get to know our guests. So we have a couple of quick warm-up questions before we get into our movie today. Uh, first question, our movie is going to star Reese Witherspoon. She's had an awesome career so far. Laura, we'll start with you. What's your favorite Reese Witherspoon performance? Loaded question. Okay. So this is really hard for me. She's my hero. Um, we share a birthday and I believe her given name is also Laura. So (laughs) I feel very connected to Reese, even though we don't know each other. Um, I, it's almost impossible to choose. I'm going to go with legally blonde because to me it's the most iconic and it was such a big influence on me growing up. So I have to go with that one, but it's hard. That's a great choice. Lizzie, what's your choice? I, I agree. I love Reese Witherspoon. She has always like been a favorite actress of mine. And there's so, so many movies. I mean, this was really tough for me. But I had to go with Cruel Intentions. Uh, that movie was a like kind of almost like a mature awakening movie in this, <laughs> for almost every single person in my generation. Like that was just such like a – like first like real teen drama that dealt with issues and it was so complicated because they're all so horrible. And, uh, but Reese was the shining light of that movie. And in so many ways, the movie really balanced on her shoulders because without it, you're just watching these deplorable, horrible people. And she's so lovable and she, she makes the movie work. Oh, that's a good choice. I'm a big Sarah Michelle Gellar fan, so intentions is it's a good one for me. Uh, my favorite performance is a special one for my wife and I. It's June Carter in Walk the Line. Oh, and, oh, yes. oh her so big one. I might take mine back. That is like it's such a great. <laughs> she is wonderful. That entire movie is wonderful. That's one we just we watch quite a bit. Uh, speaking of movies you've watched, Laura, what was the last movie you've seen? 
So I watched for the first time ever the original Scream last oh. week. Lizzie, go get your shirt. What? I wore that today. I literally wore that all day today. <laughs> my like, I no, you need up my ghost face sweatshirt. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's my favorite movie. franchise of all time. I don't know how. I admit, I'm a big horror fan. I don't. I don't know why. I've just like never seen. I was like, I need to sit down right now. This yes. Is what did you think? I loved it. Of course. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. You can stay on the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Lizzie, how about you? I watched Saw X in theaters. Okay, Aaron and yeah. I went and saw it. We had seen every, just about every single, at least the first several Saw movies in theaters. I think once they started moving into like the Jigsaw and Spiral ones, we those we just waited until we could stream them. But because I'd spent so much of my young adult life seeing those movies in theaters, we had to just go for it. And I we loved it. We thought it was awesome. Like a very good nod to like the old formula of saw very good yeah yeah when you're killing people that are fake treating cancer it doesn't feel as bad (laughs) yeah you really don't feel as bad (laughs) tobin bell is awesome as for me it's sort of in the horror genre i guess my daughter is very into the disney musical phase so we got zombies three and nice. it, it's uh it's very much like zombies one and two where we introduce new species this time it's aliens and we're discriminatory against the aliens although this one was a little more justified they came in started blowing up cars and then wanted peace it was very strange but first we had uh zombie discrimination then we had werewolf and now aliens we all learned the lesson yeah hey these aliens are pretty cool so it's it's got good morals for kids the music's all right. So if you're out there with little ones, you could do worse. Lizzie, hopefully we're not going to do worse. <laughs> now, what uh, what movie are we covering today? We are covering Election. Uh, that's right. Election from 1999. This stars Matthew Broderick, uh, aforementioned Reese Witherspoon, Chris Klein's debut, and Jessica Campbell. We have a budget of $25 million. It does not do well in the box office domestically. It makes $14.9 million. That places it at number 98. Coming in at 97 was The Corrupter. And 99, Music of the Heart. I do not know these movies. <laughs> Music of the Heart had that amazing sync song. It was like an sync Gloria Estefan duet. Okay. No, uh, you're, you're just oh my gosh! I, I'm a, I was admittedly a Backstreet Boys girly, so I maybe that's too, why so. I don't know it. But I, I was looking to Lizzie to bail me out there. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't. Normally, I'll sing a I'll sing a line of it if I know it, but I, I don't know that one. Well, the number one we all know it was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Makes a lot of money. Election, however, I'm not going to groan for you, Russell. That's overdone. Uh, IMDb rating: seven point three for Election. The Rotten Tomatoes Critics Tomato Meter, they love this movie. It is at 92%. And like all dark black comedies, it's it's a little lower on the audience score. It's 79%, but still faring very, very well. Does get an Academy Awards nominee for Best Adapted Screenplay. Golden Globes for Reese Witherspoon, Best Actress. Independent Spirit Awards winner. 
wins three for Best Feature, Best Screenplay, Best Direction. It's an L.A. Film Critics Association win for Next Generation Award, National Society of Film Critics winner for Reese Witherspoon Best Actress, Writers Guild of America Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. People love this movie. Laura, this was on your short list. We chose this movie off of your short list. Going to start with your background with this movie. Had you seen it before? If you hadn't, you know, what were you, or if you have, what were your expectations revisiting it this time? Does it hold up? Yeah, I had seen it, not when it first came out. I think I was a little too young in 99. I want to say I saw it like mid-2000s. And then I've seen it several times since because I really enjoyed it. It makes me think of, um, I don't know, what I think of independent film. This movie is like that for me growing up. Um, But yeah, it was interesting. It's been a while since I've seen it. And I I had a, a bit of a different reaction to some of the storylines, especially mm, I'm sure. <laughs> um, just in, in light of like the Me Too movement, I think like it, like the before and after of that um, definitely made me look at the Tracy Flick character even a little differently than I had when I was young. So that was an interesting, um, yeah, interesting experience. Yeah, absolutely. And Lizzie, had you seen this movie before? I had. Yeah, I saw this movie, I want to say maybe in late high school. So probably around the same time you said you had like early to mid 2000s. And I feel like when I first saw it, I this is one of those great things about teenage dramas is they have all of this surface humor that you see when you're young and all of the adult themes just fly right over your head. And then when you watch it, you know, 10, 15 years later as an adult, you're like, how did I miss all of this? Like I just was not paying attention. And so I, I agree. A lot of the Tracy stuff, like I like clicked with me, but not I think in in a way of like truly understanding the gravity of what it would be like to have that teacher student relationship. Like, so there was a, a lot of themes that definitely hit a little different as an adult, but I really still enjoy it. I think the humor is still on point and it's a very, very cleverly written movie. And I had a great time watching it. Excellent. I am going to be the newbie here. I had not seen this movie and Russell, who is a uh, the creator of this podcast, he's warning me the entire time. He's texting me. He's like, I hope Lizzie doesn't pick this movie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you, you were, and he he just, he said, this is not a Chad movie. And it, it does kind of have the formula of not a Chad movie. I did not know this was the director of Sideways, which is my go-to for movies that are improperly named comedies like sideways <laughs> has a funny scene it is not a comedy and so it had a lot of things going against it but i without giving too much away i think my concerns were misplaced and i'm here to tell russell he was wrong i i did enjoy this movie so that's a that was good i have family out in nebraska my wife's family family is from there so it's always nice to see the omaha setting and that seems to be alexander payne's kind of thing he he likes putting movies out in nebraska so if you have not seen election or it's been a while lizzie's going to refresh your memory here in a minute we are going to take a quick ad break and when we're back lizzie will spoil the movie 
Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we're back. Last chance before Lizzie breaks down election. If you haven't seen it, go rewatch it. Lizzie, tell us what it's about. Jim McAllister was a teacher with a true love of molding young minds and enriching the youth at Carver High. That was until Tracy Flick, a massively overachieving senior, runs for student body president to which he is the advisor. Mr. McAllister sees Tracy as more than just an average, ambitious student, but additionally as a student who had previously had an affair with his colleague and best friend Dave, a man whom he still shares a, quote, friendship with his wife, ex-wife, I should say, Linda. Jim cannot imagine a world where he has to work daily with Tracy and, quite frankly, is intimidated by all he knows, so he encourages Paul the it boy jock who recently hurt his leg in football to look into student politics and run for president. Meanwhile, Paul's sister Tammy is a closeted young girl in love with her friend Lisa who is not ready to acknowledge their relationship. Lisa goes for Paul and begins dating him as a way to backhand Tammy. And so now Tammy wants her revenge. She is going to run for president. Now the race is on. Tracy is utterly gobsmacked by how she could once be running unopposed, and now it's come to this. In an act of rage, she rips down all of Paul's posters, an act for which Tammy later takes the blame in order to transfer schools. Jim knows that it was Tracy deep down. He cannot let her get away with this. When it's time to count the ballots, Tracy wins, but Jim fixes the election in favor for Paul. His plan, however, only lasts but a few days as the tossed ballots for Tracy's win is recovered and Jim can do nothing but resign. As Tracy mentions in the opening scene, destiny comes to fruition and Jim is left wondering how he got here. Very good. Very good. Yeah, this you mentioned earlier, uh, Lizzie, about this being a teen comedy. Our director here, Alexander Payne, he did not want to do a teen comedy. And I'm positive MTV approaching him did not help the initial impression. But uh, they did talk him down, convinced him this was more of an adult comedy. And you both have alluded to it. There are a lot more adult themes than what you would get. And I think of this era of not another teen movie, which is actually a pretty fun movie yes (laughs) you see a unique side of chris evans that i don't know if he regrets or not right (laughs) i bet he does yes yeah speaking of bananas in this movie that's right yeah so does this now that you've revisited this as adults 
how's the humor hitting you as an adult? How did that change for you having seen this before? Um, I mean, I still find it very funny. There's a lot going on that is uh, hilarious, especially there. there's like a whole sequence where everyone is praying about yes. the election the next day. And, and also just the sort of heightened idea that a high school election could mean this much to anyone is is great which is super highlighted by the the sister's uh speech where she's like no one ever cares about this like well, if you vote for me yes. I'll end yes. there will be no more assemblies ever again and your yes. misery um no it's very funny and also i think to the adult themes something that i had forgotten or maybe didn't realize as much the first time I saw it is that Matthew Broderick's character really is the protagonist of the film. Like he, he's, it's centered on him and, and sort of his overall bad decision-making. So um, I think it, it does, it, it's set in this high school, but it's very much to me about uh, the teachers and sort of this idea of adults who missed out on their own youth or their own dreams and, and being a little bit envious of the kids. So I think it's, it's got that adult angle. Yeah, I agree. I think it was now that I'm watching it as an adult, this movie was absolutely written for adults. And I think particularly the adult that has gone to public high school, like this idea of like, I've lived this life in some way. It's kind of in the same vain how the movie waiting i don't know if you guys have ever seen that but it's it's one of those movies where like you can have you maybe think it's funny but you can only really appreciate it if you've worked in the food industry (laughs) like you can really understand the nuance and i think that that is what what i really think the director was going for and the writer was going for here was this idea of like we all, for the most part, understand what it's like to go to high school. And for the most of us as well, like to a public high school. And we all know that one girl who's just like so overachieving and just kind of taking these hyperbolic tropes and then almost putting you through the vantage point and lens of Matthew Broderick, but then also being able to laugh at, like you said earlier, Laura, like his just horrible decision-making. And the, the duality of that is really fun to watch. I was really impressed by Alexander Payne, how much he was, it's not just like a teen satirization. He's, he's getting the adults, like you mentioned, the parents living vicariously through their kids, but there's satire for politics. He's making illusions of, okay, apples and oranges. And Paul says, sometimes I like bananas. And, (laughs) and this is, this all comes from a screenplay that's kind of inspired by the chaos from Ross Perot entering an election and just taking it away a massive amount of votes. A third party just can't do that nowadays, as well as we've got some satire of authority figures, all of the principals, the vice principals, and even these parents, they're acting in this almost like breakfast club kind of way in how they talk to these kids. Uh, Walt, when he interrupts the assembly to yell at the kids uh, because they're interrupting Tracy's speech, it's just so over the top and just like, okay, this is your thing. Like this, this is your area of life and you were just going to guard it. Uh What, what was the most effective? Like what, what area was working the best for you? In terms of 
did you enjoy the the teenage satire or maybe the authorities or the politics? Hmm. I think for me the the political angle of it is is the strongest, but it's because I think everything else kind of ties back into it and sort of this idea that an election or like wanting to be spotlighted by winning an election is very similar to then um Jim wanting to go and and have this affair and have the attention on him in that way. So to me, I think it centers around the election very well, hence the name of the movie. Um, So yeah, I think the politics for me were the, are the central kind of plot. Yeah, it is. That is fun. And they do kind of shoehorn. He's getting all sides, but Tracy is, she does wind up working for a fake Republican a representative of Nebraska yeah. in the end. So we get that in the end. Lizzie, what what was the what was the highlight for you? I love the relationships. I'm such a character development person and I just love the juxtaposition between everybody. You know, I love the relationship that Jim has with Tracy. You know, he just like even in the very beginning when she's running like Mr. McAllister, Mr. McAllister. And like I got all my signatures. And she's like, would you just take them now? Like, can you please just have them now? Like and that you can just feel how exhausted he is of her. <laughs> and, and then that quickly moves into just complete and utter loathing of her. And just it's almost like just her breathing irritates him. And I love that relationship. I love, love, love Paul Metzger. I think that he is like the sweet little puppy dog character of this movie. And I think of you have these people kind of almost like in, in Cruel Intentions, like I like I mentioned earlier, you have these characters that are all really deeply flawed. And then you just have like this sweet, innocent little guy. <laughs> like even in his prayer to God, he's just like, you know, like, no matter what happens, like, it's okay. Like, I just, you know, and also, like, really pray for my sister because, like, I hope she's okay, too. Meanwhile, like, everybody is, you know. Yes. Tracy is like, could you, could you just, like, take Paul out for me? Like, just, like, wipe him off the slate. And I just, I love that relationship. I also think that even Tammy's, like, kind of more minor part, I think, is hilarious. Like, you know, her big plan to get put into Sacred Heart. And I just, I love how each and every storyline is able, it's equally significant and equally funny. And then just putting it all together is dynamite. Yeah. Those character dynamics were so good. And I I really think Paul is at the center for me of what kept this movie from going into territory that I, I don't like was just his sweet innocence from all directions. It kept it from getting dwelling in this, otherwise pretty dark dark yeah. place and we we've talked about it too because this is something that stuck out to me you both mentioned the me too movement there's no way the school isn't more aware of dave and tracy right like there, there's not even a rumor mentioned in this movie around the other students does that not seem oh weird? that's a good point yeah between the yeah. students definitely i think there would have been more although now i've seen a few documentaries pretty recently about like long-term teacher student affairs that went unspoken among staff for like 10 years but you're right there would be rumblings at least so that's that's a good point that's a little oversight I think so too I think the maybe only thing that has going for it is that she 
they tried to lay the groundwork that she doesn't have a lot of friends because she's so busy. Yeah. But I think still, even so, I think that there had to have been somebody that caught maybe even the slightest of interactions and then, you know, things like that spread like wildfire. But for me, I think what irritated me the most is that Dave just literally got a slap on the wrist. Like he's sitting there crying in the, you know, like we're in love. And then he, you know, you've, he, of course his wife divorces him. And then, um, but like, that's really it. Like he loses his job and his marriage, but like, there's no actual criminal repercussions. And it's like, you, you committed a crime. Like you, this is, this is, you know, the big deal. And they kind of treated it like um, almost as if it was a stain that they just didn't want to acknowledge, which I imagine, unfortunately, has happened in the past. So I think that's probably something that's really, really different. You know, if they, Tracy was to pan to what Dave is doing now, you know, he wouldn't be putting price stickers on... You know, on body wash or whatever it was he was doing, he'd be uh, he'd be doing something much different, probably in a jumpsuit. Yeah, I get the impression it's a it's a small school that's just trying not to make waves, and I'm sure this unfortunately happens all the time. Yeah, I do think you 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 need the female student to be the one in the affair because if it was a male student, there's zero chance that this isn't out there out there in the school so tracy she does seem to keep this under wraps even when jim's kind of alluding to it with her she she quickly threatens jim of you don't want to go there this this will be bad things so i think she knows she has some power over the school of hey if this gets out the school is in a ton of trouble you jim you knew principal knew everybody's going down in flames so she's she's very in control of that situation at that point in time you know though i mean i i think i think you're right that she's in control but i will say that this viewing of it i felt much more sorry for her and felt even in i didn't notice so much in reese's performance but it's definitely there of like this sort of heavy after effects of something like that where you she's not really dealt with it but like it's coming so i i do think i i had judged her a little bit when i saw this as a teenager and mm-hmm. now i'm like oh my gosh like what a horrible thing they they even did a very good job of like that um whatever school club meeting where where he kind of propositions her initially where it's very clear that he's kind of pointing out well you don't have any friends and you don't you know you need someone right. very predatory um, so yeah, it's that's interesting. Just on you know years down the road to look at something differently. Oh, certainly. Her mom was a divorcee who's mm-hmm. pushing her in every direction. She's writing letters of how do I succeed to Connie Chung and Elizabeth Dole, <laughs> and just the immense amount of pressure put on by her her mom. And yeah, she's not making friends. She's already a bit of an odd duck in the first place, but. It's not helped by any of her surroundings. And then we have Dave take advantage of her. So that's, did going through high school, did you know someone like Tracy? Was that someone in your life? Yes, I did. Lizzie did? Yeah, I was did. It was it you? No, no, no. I did not have any affiliation with student government or anything like that or was I don't think anybody would have referred to me as an overachiever. If anything, I was the kid 
that my teachers were exhausted by, probably equally, but for totally different reasons. I was like the annoying kid that they're – so my brother was very – is still very, very smart. And so my older brother. So when I would have – I would go into class – a class that if they had previously taught my brother, they'd be so excited being like, oh my gosh, it's another Wilder. And I'm like, this is be so great. You're Ellis's sister. So you obviously were just as smart. And I was just so super talkative and rambunctious and hyper. So no, not me. I did. She was actually very lovely though. Like it was not, she was very ambitious. And so because of that, she did not have very many friends and she was in like she was a gymnast and so she like was on like the fast track for like preliminaries for the Olympics and whatnot and did a bunch of other stuff in school. She was very, very lovely, but she was definitely a loner. Yeah, they had Reese shadow a, a couple of students. She worked as a transfer student for two weeks in this Omaha high school. I, I don't know if any of the kids really bought that or not, but because Reese is 23 years old, but the girl that's escorting her around was pretty much Tracy Flick, but far less annoying. She (laughs) was cheerleader. She was into every single activity and she was just a really out there person. Like go get her. I tried. I tried for student government. Part of my issues with this movie is I may have trended towards the Tracy Flick territory, And people like Tracy did not get elected. It was just universally, whoever was the most popular, like Paul wins my school's election in a landslide. Mm -hmm. And I would point out, hey, this person's going to, I wouldn't say it, but this person's going to be terrible at this job. I will actually care. And we haven't had a high school reunion planned for like a decade. I haven't had one either. The Tammy would have gotten elected at my school uh, for sure. Like it's like a joke. Like that was like our our prom kings and queens were all like the burnouts that like people would write in. And (laughs) you had the anarchists. Yeah, funny. So yeah, kind of. I actually went to Catholic high school, but it felt very much like this. I have definite Tracy Flick tendencies myself (laughs) like super type a um very much was like trying to be into everything but i never ran for student government we did have a girl who ran unopposed every year and one of you and i do actually remember a teacher at one point saying someone should run against her (laughs) just nothing against the girl she was perfectly fine but someone was like you know we could make this a little more interesting so i was laughing at that when i was rewatching this last night like oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) that happened wouldn't you wouldn't you like an orange sometimes (laughs) (laughs) exactly The funniest thing to me was like the in the beginning of class or the lecture, like he she'd raise her hand. You could see on his face that he was like, Oh my gosh, like can anybody else answer this question? Like I just do not want to call on her. And I knew so many people. (laughs) The great like freeze frame of her face where it's just like the worst angle. And then such a nice moment at the end when he's in the museum and now he's like a museum you know, exp- teacher. And there's a little girl who raises her hand and is trying to answer the question. Yes. It's the same thing. But that struck me too, where I was like, oh, he really just doesn't, he doesn't like, maybe it's girls, like women who, who want to have something mm-hmm. to say. So uh, that was another thing that I hadn't seen on the original watch. That's an interesting angle. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I get it though. I, on a much smaller level, I, I teach Sunday school and there, there are a few people that just want to answer every time. It's like, yes, you have the right answer. I don't want to call on you though. This class needs to go for an hour. <laughs> can, yeah. one of, can one of the nonverbal ones in the back, can you <laughs> please, please answer the question? Yeah. So, so I get that. But yeah, let's let's talk about Jim McAllister. He went, he is our teacher of the year several years in a row. And at first he's sort of this supportive friend. We find out that support is not so great later on he's awkwardly trying to start a family in about the most emasculating way possible i just yeah that's that's a horrible scene <laughs> and uh he's just we watch him slowly lose his grip on his life is tracy the catalyst for this spiral or is it something else oh i think it, it's just bleak for him i i think she just showed up <laughs> after a long slog of of the same old same old he's he's this is the thing he's tracy's not the only thing going on in his world he's he's got a whole side action about to happen so he's looking for other things generally speaking i think mm. I totally agree. I think Tracy's a total projection. It's like he can't communicate like what's wrong in his real life, like whether or not maybe it's he isn't ready to have children. He doesn't want to have children. Maybe he, you know, he says that his wife is his complete rock, but he obviously is willing to have an affair on her. So like there's cracks somewhere. And I, I just think that he isn't in a place where he has the confidence to be able to look inward as like what is actually wrong. And so there's just all this pent up emotion and he just pushes it all onto Tracy. It's like, here's this person that annoys me. And so I'm just going to refocus all of my frustration on you. <laughs> and I uh, just wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. Okay. I, I first watch, I took it in a different direction. I feel like Dave and Tracy, like that affair broke something in Jim. It seems to have opened a world of possibilities because mm. he almost becomes afraid of Tracy. And it, I think it's not just because she's annoying, but it starts being sexual Yeah, because mm. he's got that scene with his wife and then it's Linda's face on the back of her head, poorly Photoshop. like Photoshop, but then it's Tracy's. And I think he may see a little bit of Dave in himself of, okay, now I'm awakened to, I'm, I don't know if he's truly attracted to her, but he views this as a possibility. Yeah. Of, I, I'm, he's not interested in his wife anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's just looking and like, if I spend time with her, I'm going to be Dave. I'm going to have Dave's life. And ironically, he's, it's a lot worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he does so much worse than Dave. In trying to avoid being Dave, but yeah, that's that's a good I, point. I like. I see that. I like your point of view too. I mean, that's a is Jim too dislikable though? I mean, he's cheating on his wife. He's covering for Dave. He manipulates Paul. He embarrasses poor Larry, who's just doing his job. I would be Larry in this situation, and then he then he rigs the election. That's a lot of stuff to go through. <laughs> no, I mean, I like that he's so flawed. I feel like we don't, 
it'd be a hard sell to get a studio to make this movie right now. But I, I enjoy how flawed he is because I think he's very, I mean, I think this man exists. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like it. And I think it's it's sort of just, you know, a, a story of a downward spiral. So in terms of the movie, I don't mind that he's kind of the worst. Um, I feel for him a bit because I think it's you can see the the sort of like longing for some different life and maybe he just can't could never name what it was um and so now it's come to this but i i don't mind how bad he is i think it's kind of fun for this film yeah i think we can all relate on some level to what it feels like to really feel in your heart that you are trying your best to be a good person but yet when you're faced with circumstances that you like and you're in a place where you didn't expect yourself to be in and you kind of have that like retrospect like how did this even happen like I feel like and I think on some scale we all have experienced that and obviously this is like a very hyperbolic version but I think to your point like it just shows the humanity in him and he's not a very likable guy but you can see that somewhere in there is somebody that really wants to be and so you kind of just root for him like you're just watching somebody hit rock bottom and so it's you do have that feel for him but there is absolutely a side of him that gives me the ick as well like for sure so <laughs> it's but but it's fun to watch like it the the duality of that is really fun so i he's a fun protagonist the ick is definitely most of the things he does are so pathetic. The hotel scene is just absolutely pathetic. I, I'm sure if you all walked into that, you'd be like, oh, "This is this is it's sad. This so is so bad. This it's is so bad. bad." And then he calls several sort pseudo threatening messages, but then "I love you." It's like, oh, that's that's just no even the way he first propositions her like they go to the mall together as friends which by the way is also like kind of odd like that they would just like go by themselves to the mall and then um and then on the way home he's just like should we get a room like that's that is just so bizarre to me and like if that were me and i was in that position like i went to the mall with like one of my friend's husband's and then he said something like that like first of all like the i'm telling your wife like 100 yes. and then second of all like i'm never talking to you again <laughs> like we're yeah. like the relationship is totally shattered like that is it, it was very gross like her reaction to it is probably exactly how i would have reacted that just like very disgusted look on her face of like that's not funny and right you're gross so she needs to do better <laughs> well, well, hopefully we get a sequel, and Linda has done better because she's Linda's getting... done. Better. It's all Linda now. Yeah, yeah her picker is way off. Yeah, yep. And our our third parties in this election, we've got Paul who enters. We've talked about him. He's just a sweet, popular kid. Everything's going right, but his sister Tammy. She is just this rebellious tornado going through. She feels like straight out of the breakfast club. Yes. Do you all like the anarchy that Tammy's bringing to the table? Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. I think she she's one of my favorite characters in this. I, I love that she truly gets what she wants, too. She's one of the only ones who, like, I think has a clear, like, she... 
she gets to go to her new school. She had a plan. She made yeah. it all happen. Uh, she's fun. Yeah, I, I loved her. She's really, really fun to watch. And I think she's also just super relatable, you know? I, I just think this idea of – you know, because she's not a bad person. Like, there's like that sweet interaction that she has with Paul when Paul like, gets her her school work from being suspended, and you know, he's she's like, you know, he's I don't want you to fall behind. You know, last time that you got suspended, you it took you so long to catch back up, and they have a really sweet little interaction in that moment. So I don't feel like it's fair to just label her as like this this rebel without a cause that's just this pure chaotic chaotic energy she definitely is that but i also feel like she is like she kind of just like wants to be loved right like that's kind of the big her big goal like she's a big lover in one moment it's lisa on the swing with the big smile and i forget the her new girlfriend's name the very end, but like the montage is like the exact same. So it's just yeah. like basically just reinsert a Jennifer, like reinserted Jennifer into Lisa's spot. But I, I really think she is fun to watch and she kind of feels like a little bit of an icebreaker to a lot of the like darkness in the movie as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Her decision to take the fall for Tracy's crime of destroying all the posters that caught me a little off guard, but then he's, you see it made sense to me later on of, okay, she's getting sent to this all girl school that she had been staring at. So, yeah. And to your point, she is sort of closeted because she makes the point of, uh, I'm not a lesbian. I'm just into girls. Yes. Something like that early on in the, in the movie. And, I'm attracted uh, to the person. It just so happens that all of the people that I'm attracted to are girls. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, she's not fully, there yet of like ready to have that like self-acceptance and then lisa i think i'm i'm not quite sure how you would identify her the kind of journey because she says to to tammy you know we're just experimenting so it almost kind of seemed like maybe it was just that maybe the stuff with paul is kind of what she feels because then she moves on to another guy after paul but you know who who knows? There's not really enough information there to go off of it. But with Tammy, she's, you know, she, it feels almost like if once she's at Sacred Heart, she kind of like settles into her herself a little bit more. And she seems happy. Yeah. And Paul was totally cool with Lisa just going with his football buddy. Right. <laughs> Nothing phases Paul. He's yes. so sweet. He's just like, you have my blessing. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got it. They had an awesome party, so he's good. Yeah. Did you say I this really is Chris Klein's first film? It is. Yes. That's crazy. Oh. I did not know that. He's so excellent in it. He really, he, he just plays that. It's actually pretty hard to play like someone who's sort of a little vacant and he does a really yes. good job. Very just sweet. And we haven't mentioned that he's, he's the deciding vote in the election because he, he doesn't is. vote for himself. Yeah. He is. Yeah, you're sweet. right. He couldn't do it. Couldn't bring himself to... To check he's his just, own name. I love him. I think he's he's a doll. Yeah, Alexander Payne. He found him during his senior year in high school. He's playing Tony in West Side Story. No. And and so he speaks to Chris Klein and says, hey, I've got this role. And uh, I forget where Chris was going to college at the time. But Amazing. yeah, he, he gets called back for this role. So that, That's yeah. so cool. 
he nailed it first time. It's mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard doing Scream. His girlfriend was the one that was auditioning. And they just pull in Matthew Lillard and say, hey, Crazy. we've got a job for you. And it's just an <laughs> so iconic performance. Uh, we did have a different ending to this movie. The original screening was not popular at all. So instead of Jim going to New York, he is selling used cars. And he's working for a former student. He does have an encounter with Tracy, though. And Tracy forgives him. And she asks Jim to sign her yearbook. Do you like this alternate ending or do you like what we have? I think I like what we have because I think we get a little taste. And in fact, I wish we'd almost gotten a tiny bit more of a taste of what happens to Tracy and the fact that she's now working for this government someone. Oh, yeah. Um, So I think that's a stronger ending because it it gives us more. I mean, I get I think they're similar in a way. Um, I don't hate the other ending, but I, I like him. That, that moment where he throws the slurpee or whatever <laughs> yes. the right. and then just runs away like some vandal. I mean, it, it just is, it's perfect. So I'm glad it is they so went that pathetic. Way. I have to imagine Tracy oh, right. goes very far, like staffer and everything else. Right. But... I think she gets yeah. what she wants. Yeah. That scene is so perfect because it almost like perfectly puts the the point that I was making earlier. Probably, like, I think he really wants to be nice. And so he's like, you know what? He's trying to talk himself into, I'm really happy now and I've got all, you know, I'm in New York and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it looks like she got everything that she wanted and I'm really happy for her about that. And then he slowly just, you hear his train of thought and then it leads to like, what the, then he just throws the slurry. Temper tantrum. It's amazing. You just see his like true colors come out and then he, like you said, he's just, deep down just this pathetic guy and it's it's great he is trying to make the best of that apartment which a hundred percent is not going to cost fifteen hundred dollars in 2023 (laughs) that little 200 square foot apartment is going to be running you three four grand for where he was it's ridiculous But, but yeah he's showing that so this election is a uh original manuscript from tom peretta uh It was unpublished in 1996. And like I said, Alexander Payne, who was approached, he was disinterested at first because it was set in a high school. This isn't a high school story per se. So what attracted Payne was the formal exercise of doing these multiple points of view. So you've got Tracy, you've got uh, Jim and you've got Paul and these multiple voiceovers. I feel like Matthew Broderick for the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like he has that voiceover style prepared. So that was great casting. Um, we talked about Ross Perot as the inspiration, but the other inspiration is 1992 at Memorial High School in, I believe it's pronounced Eau Claire, Wisconsin. There is a pregnant student that won Homecoming Queen in an election. But the staff announced a different winner and burned the ballots to cover it up. <laughs> what is, you know, I, I don't know if those teachers had to resign or not. Uh, that's that's far lower stakes. <laughs> like like you said, Lizzie, there. who knows what was going in, into that vote? Maybe she was p- super popular and sweet, or maybe this was the anarchy vote. Yeah, you never the know. Kids are kids, but like. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Homecoming king and queen. I 
I could tell you are a queen, but I have no idea who was our homecoming king. Can I ask a genuine question? Because I actually don't know the answer to this. What does a class president do? They plan prom and then they are responsible for uh, any of the reunions. Oh, interesting. My high school closed down a few years after I graduated, so I guess that's <laughs> okay. why I have no idea. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I I ran every year for it, but the, those were the major things. And then there there were a few fundraising activities that they were responsible for as well. Mm. I don't I don't even know that I cared that much about it. I just I wanted to be elected for something. I was the pathetic. Tracy yeah. Flick. <laughs> I just couldn't get in. So, so uh, we mentioned the film's original ending. It was lost, uh, except for there was a box of VHS tapes at a yard sale in 2011. So that is how we found out about the original ending uh, with Tracy. I do like the kind of jab of sign my yearbook because she would have been class president in that yearbook. Mm, that's, and, that's true. Uh, and we do get a fun little Easter egg in this movie. At one point, there's a gentleman reading in a newspaper. And if you pause the movie at that point, the text on the newspaper says, instead of reading this, why not put on Citizen Ruth, which is Alexander Payne's first directorial debut. Oh, and then it talks about, do you know, have any idea how difficult it is to make up fake text for a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So if if this was too dark for you, please do not watch Citizen Ruth. That is a far darker movie. It's still a black comedy, but it covers a much more controversial topic. Uh, there's uh, the subject of that is abortion. Uh, but Alexander Payne, he does. I mentioned Sideways. He does about Schmidt. The Descendants, not the Disney movie that kids are watching. <laughs> a very different movie. Nebraska, again, he, he does a lot of his movies set in Omaha. Uh, downsizing and The Holdovers. Hmm. So, so are, have you seen much of Alexander Payne's work, Laura? Uh, Sideways is one of my favorite movies. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's okay. We have different tastes. Um, yes. And I have seen The Descendants. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen Nebraska, and I definitely haven't seen Downsizing or The Holdovers. But um, yeah, no, Sideways to me is like a perfect film. <laughs> he does have a new project coming out. I just saw a trailer with Paul Giamatti. I, I don't remember what it's called, oh, but, fun. but I'm excited. I do love Paul Giamatti, so <laughs> I will you. see it. Lizzie, are you a fan? I, I know you saw Nebraska, right? I I've never I have don't think I've seen any of his movies. I haven't really? even seen Sideways. That's I know that's so bad. I get like my movie card revoked. But I um no, I have not. I have I'm this I guess is my only one. I do need to see Nebraska. We just covered the top movies of 2013. We just covered the the decade past and yes. so Nebraska came up a lot for awards and otherwise. So I'll I'll check it out. I'm I'm batting about 50-50 with Alexander Payne. I'll definitely check out his new film. Uh, as, far as, as far as sets, we, we did talk about, this is actually filmed in Omaha, Nebraska. It's Carver High School. There are real classes going on while they're filming this. So the background noises, those are teachers 
teaching their students. This is not extras extras or anything. They filmed around their schedule. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Primarily shot on location in the fall of 97. Uh, Let's, let's talk about the wardrobe because we, they are doing a fantastic job of kind of conveying what, especially Jim and Tracy's life is like through their wardrobe. Laura, what'd you, what'd you think of, uh, wardrobe and costumes? In my mind, I think of this as a Catholic high school movie, maybe partly because of the Immaculate Heart, but also because of Tracy Flick's overall style, like the skirts and the, it's all very, and her hair is always perfectly done. She's just little miss, uh, has it all together. I love the costumes. Um, <laughs> we can talk about uh, Matthew Broderick and the bee sting. Um, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Favorite yes. parts of the movie. There's a brilliant shot, shout out to the cinematographer uh, of the bees, like hovering around as he's knocking on the affair partner's window, trying to get her attention. So we get like a little preview of the bees before they actually sting him. And oh, then nice. The sting, um, yeah, just that whole look for me, the whole end of the movie, his eyes swelling up and that that giant (laughs) overcoat. He just, everything is sad and (laughs) not going well for him. It's just perfect. They really made it, even his eyes like still a little open, but but it's just very hard to look at. And they have the kids come in and they're like, what's? what's wrong with you? Just right. everything about it. Um, they did a great job. Wardrobe and makeup, everything. As he just shoves that cupcake in a very weird way into his mouth. Yes. <laughs> he is so massively unhinged at the end of the movie, which is so fun to watch. But I, I agree. I mean, Tracy's outfits, they put everybody in like really hyperbolic 90s clothes, you know, because then Tammy is in like the flannel and – Paul, does Paul wear at one point? I think he is in a letter jacket, and then I think they, mm-hmm. he takes it off later. So they're kind of all in like their quintessential high school thing. So it very Breakfast Club vibes, like you said earlier, where they're really trying to drive the point home that the jock is the jock and the burnout is the burnout, and, and so forth and so on. But it only just adds because I think that this movie was written for adults wanting to look back on their high school experience and and have a laugh i think that those elements only just add to it like the stereotypical pieces just almost enrich the nostalgia of it all yeah laura nailed it as far as the costumes for me I, i they did a great job of making tracy look stuffy and just very put together very prim and proper and jim there's a fantastic scene where he's just, it adds to this pathetic character, but how he sees himself. So he's in this black suit with the sunglasses and he's driving this convertible and just, he's like, I am, I am the smoothest guy ever. And then we get a great cut and it's him in lower middle class teaching attire. Just imagine your classes in the nineties, if you're of age, that's Jim, and he's getting out of like a Toyota Tercel. <laughs> it's it's not a sexy car at all. It's just it's it's a perfect picture of lower middle class America, and 
I I like those types of juxtapositions of okay, here's how I view myself, and then we get wonderful '90s giant pink bathrooms. Uh, Linda's bathroom was wall to wall pink, just like a Pepto Bismol exploded. That is fantastic. Uh, this is an MTV movie, so I will mention soundtrack. Does the music do anything for you here? I I didn't really have much notes for it. I enjoyed it. I'm trying to think of anything stand I mean, I think they did some good stuff with momentum um, and, and the soundtrack. There's a great use of the song Jennifer when Jennifer yes. is introduced. Um, but other than that, you're right. I didn't, there wasn't something that I thought was like a huge soundtrack moment. I love the, every single time that Tracy becomes unhinged, they play that same like, ha kind of music. Very tribal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's just showing like this person who is so buttoned up is like their animalistic side is about to come out and they're just going to go in a full rage. And it just makes it so much more funny because like you guys were saying, like she's so buttoned up. And I think the people who are kind of wound the tightest tend to be the people that have the biggest outbursts when the big, you know, things just don't go their way. And so I think that just that music is so chaotic and it's so memorable. And I, I, that part I really love, but aside from that, I agree. There's not really a lot going on with the music in the movie. I had forgotten about that sound effect, but you're right. It is hilarious. And it just makes me think of when she's doing those buttons and I had no idea that's how you (laughs) did campaign buttons, but (laughs) she she has that button press. That's just aggressive. thump. (laughs) Right. Are you all ready to hand out some awards? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Laura, we'll start with you. MVP of election. It can be a director, actor, supporting actor, something else. I'm going to have to give it to Reese. I think she makes the movie. She's what I remembered. And, and it's just such a great character. She did even just the way she walks or runs, especially oh, yeah. from places. She just got it so okay. perfectly. So, yeah, I can't imagine anyone else in that role. She's so young in this role. It, it, she looks like, like they, 10. <laughs> <laughs> they view this as one of our breakthroughs. We we did mention Cruel Intentions and Pleasantville. I think we're both a year before. Yes, I love Pleasantville. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's so great so early on in her career. Mm-hmm. Lizzie, who do you have? I went with Alexander Payne. I tend to kind of follow suit with you sometimes, Chad, where like when I feel like the pieces of the puzzle fall into place and I want to give the credit to the director. So I think... He did a great job with casting. I think that the writing is so clever. And I just think the whole movie comes together so well. And it really does feel like a recipe that he just got right. Right. For the sake of being different, because I I did tend to go with the director here. It's my, my role. When everything goes right, I pick the director. But I'm bored of that. So I'm picking Matthew Broderick. I, <laughs> nice. I think his character is incredibly dislikable. He's pathetic, but the mannerisms that Matthew brings in to Jim, they're just so entertaining. And it's what kept me from completely writing this character off and just wishing the worst. 
I kept wishing for him to pull back and just turn, turn around, right the mm-hmm. ship. He never does. <laughs> and, but he still got that kind of chipper attitude of now I'm a tour guide in New York. I've always wanted to be in New York and I'm teaching again. And it's like, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> right. Right. He's, he's going to break down in more destructive way, ways later on. We get that great montage of him slightly changing his tone as he explains the three branches of government every single time. And it's just great subtleties of, okay, this is really wearing thin year after year after year. Best supporting actor, Laura. Okay. I'm going to give it to Tammy, who I believe is Jessica Campbell. Yeah. Um, I, I just think she's really fun, but I want to give an honorable mention to the custodian who is <laughs> Lauren Nelson. It's such a great moment and he has nothing to say, but like he, he it's so powerful. He's just there at that first moment of the movie. And then at this huge climactic scene at the end. And uh, yeah, he, that, that actor did a great job with his little piece of the film. That was such a great gag of him just standing in the hallway as the Chinese container misses and lands on the floor. It's great writing too. It's excellent writing. Yes. I was so happy. Because you've had time to forget him too. Mm -hmm. You forget completely about Mm -hmm. him. And then he shows up with the waist spin. Good for that guy. So funny. Lizzie, who's your best supporting? This is where I went with Reese Witherspoon. I think she is the shining star of this movie. And even though in some ways she can, some could argue that she is the antagonist. I also just think that she is, you love her. Like you cannot help but fall in love with her. Even if you dislike her character, Reese is just so magnanimous to watch. And I, she just does an amazing job. Yeah. She is remarkable. I, I went with Chris Klein as Paul Metzler. I really felt that naive kindness is what made this film feel different for me than some of these others that I'm just watching kind of despicable characters do despicable things over Mm -hmm. and over. And I get it in this car wreck mentality of, I don't really want to be watching this, but I can't turn away. Now, Paul, Paul is wonderful. He has so many great lines. And even when he's talking, you're still my sister, even if you're adopted. (laughs) (laughs) He means it so sweetly, but it's such a backhanded. Oh, it's funny. Hidden gem, Laura, who's your underappreciated cast? I I think it's the vice principal for me. Okay. Is Is it the principal or the vice principal that we see several times? I think he's a vice principal, yes. Uh, Walt, the guy that's yelling at the kids all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the principal. Oh, that's okay. Phil the Reeves, principal. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, for me, he's just very, he's just good for a laugh and uh, and again another small part but big impact. Yeah, I I loved him. He was my choice too. He's he's exactly that kind of overbearing adult you'd want in this scenario, and it really did call me back to the vice principal in. Uh, breakfast club just how he lectured yeah yes that little bitch ruined the election it was just a great (laughs) lizzie who's your hidden gem uh so i actually went with an element for this one so hang with me here so 
Tracy mentions early on in the film that Coke, she's like, well, Coke is the like the biggest soda brand in uh, like ever, but they also do the most marketing, right? So then shortly after, maybe two or three scenes later, you see that Jim is drinking a Pepsi. And so like that's almost to like send kind of a subliminal message of like if Tracy is the Coke, Jim is the Pepsi. If like he is not going this traditional route, he's going to be the nice guy. He's going to be the good character. Because at this point you do think that he is – the moral high ground of this movie. And then when things start going sour, when he starts, you know, having kind of inappropriate fantasies while he's with his wife and kind of like almost like drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, he opens up his fridge and it's like a blink if you miss it, but his fridge is filled with Coke. Mm. And so you're like, Ooh, okay. Okay. Hold on. We've switched. And then at the very end of the movie, when it almost seems like he's trying to get his life back in order, he's holding a cup of Pepsi. Uh So I really thought that like that – I didn't know if I ever got a chance to pick Alexander Payne's brain. I would imagine that was all very intentional, but I uh, – it was it was just kind of an interesting element that, that kind of caught my eye this time watching it. I love it so much that you followed that because all I noticed was the Pepsi. I was like, I, I like Pepsi better than Coke, and I was just sad for him because you've ruined Pepsi for him. <laughs> But, but then he does the weird thing, like he leaves his wife and goes downstairs and is watching porn. Just like this, yeah. is, this is not a healthy thing for you. But yeah, I I will have to rewatch to watch this uh, background plot of Pepsi versus Coke. That is that is brilliant analysis. That's why I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, recast. We're replacing one member. Who are you replacing, Laura? No one. No one. (laughs) I won't do it. I think this was really well cast, and I really, I really enjoyed everyone. So it it was an excellent class uh, cast. You got to recast, like just throw in a random high school. Throw Chris Evans as one of the students. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lizzie, who's who's your recast? This was really hard because I agree with you, Laura. I think that like this was just so excellently done. I did choose just for fun to replace the principal with Ed Rooney just because I felt like it would be maybe – I loved the principal's character, but I thought maybe having the principal from Ferris Bueller be the same principal, like that maybe that would either – throw out there that maybe this is some kind of like alternate universe where they're all the same, but also just for like a nod to people that love Ferris Bueller. And I just really like Ed Rooney. I think he makes, he does that like chaotic, crazy person so well. So like he would have brought an awesome energy to that character. I love it. I love it. I went with Colleen Camp. She is Tracy's mother and I thought she did a wonderful job. But if I have to recast someone, I kind of want a little bit more overbearing and that there there are very few women that can do it better than Christine Baranski. So yes. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. she could just bring that belittling energy. <laughs> and so I want Christine Baranski. Your mother is beside yourself. I love that. And in that moment, she's like completely quiet. <laughs> 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 Oh, that one got me. 
best shots. We've already had a shout out to our cinematographer, who is James Glennon, by the way. He is a buddy of Alexander Payne. He works with him on Citizen Ruth, Election, and About Schmidt. So best shot, Laura. I I love the shot where Tracy first hears when she's snooping that she's won the election and she's just jumping around in front of her own campaign <laughs> sign and it's just like yeah. a bunny hop it's just perfectly composed and yeah it's hilarious and jim knows something has gone wrong <laughs> yes as it freeze frames i think that was right over like a teaching certificate too uh-huh. it, it might uh-huh. have been an award yeah. Yeah. yeah it's his teacher of the year i think is yeah <laughs> yes. that is fantastic lizzie so I actually went with a scene that I, it like gave, like made my stomach turn, but that I think that's probably why I put it there. But in, in the early beginning of the movie, when they're breaking down the relationship and how things exactly went down between Tracy and Dave, they show her at their house and she's like walking down this hallway towards, I'm assuming like what we can imagine is Dave's bedroom that he shares mm-hmm. with his wife at the time, Linda. And she turns towards the bedroom and all you see is Dave's arm and he puts it on top of Reese's shoulder. And that scene, first of all, like really gave me like a pit in my stomach. But I think why I chose it for my best shot was because kind of what we're talking about earlier with like the Me Too movement, that kind of felt like the only real recognition that she was being led into something like that. It's like everything else I think tried to pin it as if Tracy was almost this like predatory student like that's just, you know, Dave is just, he can't resist her, you know, her successful ambition and and all of that. When in reality, like when you're that young, you don't have the faculties to be able to understand what's going on and you look to your superiors. So I think that was like the only scene that really, I think, put that responsibility on him of like, he's leading her into this situation. And I, I don't know, I, something about that, like kind of stuck with me. It felt very serious, but it was still a, a powerful scene nonetheless. That was an early on. I was praying for misdirection because he says a very crude line when he's talking to Jim about <laughs> her getting so wet. And I'm like, please be talking about your wife mm-hmm. or <laughs> a cat or something else. Something, yeah, like any, literally anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. my, my next note is, oh no, it's actually what I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and they even, they go so far as to say it's her junior year. So it's, it's made clear. She's not 18. Yeah. This yes. is a crime. She is young. Yeah. And, she's too, too, too young. And to your point, they do that creep. This is a song I completely forgot till you mentioned. I tried to repress it. He's playing once, twice, three times yes. a lady. Yes. To oh my a gosh. child. And the in baby, his house. the crib is right next to him. His own child's crib is perfectly. Yes. Yes. It's just really, really slimy. And uh, it's, I think, bef- pre Me Too movement, it was like we would almost like, we, we would never victimize, I think, the men in the way that we we do now. It's like that understanding of like, wait, you, they're really, especially with someone like that in a position of power over you, like there's just an influence there and there's a responsibility for both men and women when they're in positions of power like that with students. And so it's just, it made it so slimy watching it as an adult. 
Oh my goodness. I forgot about the crib too. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a masterpiece of making you feel yeah. miserable. Yeah. It's messed up. Like really messed up. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, mine is also about infidelity. I suppose is when Jim leaves his house after Diane finds out and we have that precursor to this where he's just in his fridge and he hears a baby crying and he knows immediately. Okay. That's, that's bad news. That means Linda's here mm-hmm. and he just slowly walks off, but he goes outside his house and he's got a thousand yard stare and the camera pans up over him and he's just in shock at what's become of his life and just, it's completely unraveled. So that I, I felt bad and I didn't simultaneously with that shot. Of what have I done? <laughs> that's a good one. Best scene, Laura. I actually the same scene that you're just talking about when when he Jim goes in and he sees that his wife and his affair partner are having this conversation and he just has this moment where he says, "Okay," and then yep. Lee, and that's all there is to say. I mean, I I thought that was perfect. It just like not too much. Um, yeah, it very very well acted by Matthew Broderick as well, um, and also by the two women. Um, they uh, like there's a lot going on there and they neither of them have any lines and they they really conveyed like this big moment between them in a short amount of time very powerfully so yeah absolutely his wife with those tears like the just complete red on her face and she does an excellent job to your point with zero verbal communication it's just all through eyes and then okay <laughs> That is great. (laughs) Is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I um, I love the speeches. That's just my my particularly Paul's speech. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) the humor and just being able like just okay. Well, everybody, thank you so much for for voting me. If you vote me into president, then I promise that I won't let you down like that time that I threw the football. Like it's just like he's (laughs) reading it so horribly red. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It just every, I remember laughing at that so hard the first time I watched this movie and it, that particular scene holds up in humor. It's amazing. Yeah. That, that was how my six-year-old read her books and I had to teach her the period means stop, take a breath. (laughs) And then Paul just goes full six-year-old. It it is fantastic. And then we get crickets immediately afterwards. (laughs) What was that? But then Tammy's speech, I do love that. Of No more stupid assemblies. I'm going to burn down student government, which, by the way, student council president cannot do that. You cannot <laughs> Only planning prom, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> even, yeah. Even Tracy's, like, you know, with our days, we cannot make them longer, but we can make them better. And, like, they're just the cadence of, like, her mouth and how she slams her mouth shut with every word. And it's just – it's an awesome scene. It is a masterclass in annoying me. Yes. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier, but the contrasting prayers for me, I thought that was all right. so well done. Tracy is straight up insisting that Jesus help her with the election. She <laughs> is demanding the big man. And she just presents her demands to him. It's <laughs> it's this arrogant prayer. Tammy is swearing. She's wishing ill on multiple people. And she concludes by asking to be friends with Madonna. These are just such great character moments. And then there's Paul, 
who is thanking God for literally every circumstance possible in life and throws in that uh, he's very thankful for what he's been told is a very large penis. It's (laughs) yes, like, it's not bragging. He's just going down a list and it's all so, so well done and so funny. Thank you for all of my sins for, you know, whatever they are. Like, or something like that. It's just so sweet. Yeah. Tammy's just like, Hey, since I'm going, I don't believe in you, but since I'm going to Catholic school, I might as well practice. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's all so good. Right. Best wardrobe and makeup moment, Laura. I have to go back to the bee sting. I just really loved it. It's so gross. And it's a perfect like physical manifestation of it's all over my face and I can't right. hide it anymore. <laughs> it is so grotesque. Lizzie, what was yours? Tracy's hair. I think her hair is just so pretty. It's so wound like the Susie Q kind of curls or Shirley Temple, I should say, like just so tight. And it's just a perfect representation of her personality. Like it just, I, I love it so much. She had to work really hard to get those curls so tight and they're not extremely attractive because they make her look so childlike, but I love also that they're just, again, it's just like a representation of who she is. It's very Tracy flick. That's what makes that sex scene with Jim and his wife so much worse. Yeah. And she's just saying in family friendly podcast, so I can't say it, but you know, she's, yeah. we'll go with boink me, but that's not the word she's using <laughs> over and over and over again in that very enunciated way. Yes. I'm going with the bee sting too. I, what a great job from the makeup crew. Like you, you know, it's going that way. You get stung right on the eye. Like, eh, that's, that's going to be bad. But it is just so much worse than than anything. And it just makes his interactions with everyone who's asking a genuine question. Like, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. Yeah. He's, not, he's not concerned with it, really. I think he put ice on it at one point. But you know, put Neosporin, something, do something to it. Get it treated, get it lanced. I don't know. Change one thing. Laura, are you changing anything for this movie? I mean... You know, probably not, but I think selfishly, I do wish there was a one more interaction between Tracy and Jim at the end. And, you know, the that alternate ending with the yearbook maybe would have done it for me. But yeah, I, I did. I kind of wanted her to get out of that limo and, and really give it to him. But I think that's an audience selfishness feeling. It's probably not the right decision for the film. So mm, I, I want that too. Yeah. I I do. I want that interaction because I could see her just viewing him as insignificant. I don't think she's going to hold a grudge. She got what she wanted. Like what if she doesn't even really remember him? You know, it's like that where she's Mm -hmm. like so paramount in his history, but she's off doing it. So yeah, a little more. That's that's exactly it. He is a blip on her radar where she is everything to his life. Yeah, that's right. Lizzie, what are you changing? Mine was kind of similar. I had liked the idea when he it pauses right on her face at the very end to in the scene that you guys are talking about, when he's like, you know, I'll never know if she saw me that day. And I would have loved to then have one more um, 
kind of monologue of of Tracy where like she's in the car, she's talking where you're trying to understand if this really is this relationship that she's having right now with this senator, governor, whatever he is, it is it a like is it a clean relationship, like a respectful working relationship, or are we repeating a pattern? And then also, like, I would have loved, like, and I'm and I'm assuming that that was happening, but what I really wanted was in the car for her to acknowledge whether or not she saw him, like, hoping to be like, yeah, I saw him. Like, I know he saw me. And uh, just kind of to have, like, one more punch, almost, because you guys said it perfectly, this idea of, like, she's so beyond – him, but he is such a huge, or she is such a gigantic part of his story. And so almost having that internal satisfaction where she acknowledges that and feels that. And I think that would have been been good. It's interesting that you bring that up because I had the same thought, unfortunately, given her history, is this on the up and up with the representative from Nebraska or has she, is this another, at least she's an adult. But is this another yeah. inappropriate relationship? I That's hope not. Funny, I didn't think that at all until you said. I I thought, oh, she's got like a an internship or something. Yeah. But it's interesting. Oh, it's maybe point. that's just my own dark mind then. Right? Funny. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's a good point. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, you know what? It's entirely possible. I mean, we all know the history of. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't even be her fault, really, because like they they say earlier that she has a you know, she doesn't have a father figure. And like that, that line is like kind of funny when she's like, psychologically speaking, like, you know, you think that this is because I don't have a dad, but it's not, Mm -hmm. he just makes me feel really safe. And so like that, um, kind of like the lack of self-awareness in that statement was funny. But I think, um, you know, when you're that young, I imagine if something like that happens to you, that really does kind of define how you can form relationships. So it's like, if that, is something that happens. Like you, I still have like a lot of empathy for her. Like I don't look at her as like anything other than just like a girl who kind of had, was told at a very young age, this is what you're good for. And unfortunately when you're told that kind of stuff at a young age, you don't really, that you can't shake it. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, having a daughter, it's like, you hope it's a healthy relationship now, but you've such a young age, it was tarnished in a direction you don't want it to go. Yep. So, So hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it's a less dark ending, but maybe that's open-ended for a reason. I had a tough time on this one. I had a tough time changing anything, which is rare for this type of movie. I'm going to do something nitpicky. So at one point we see Tracy using this really early version of Photoshop and she's altering the yearbook, editing out Dave. Yeah. I was convinced we were showing this for a reason and it was going to be relevant later in the film because mm-hmm. they dedicated a decent amount of time to it. And I really wish he'd come back into play much like the Chinese food on the floor and the janitor, maybe just framing Tammy for posters or trying to get someone else out of the election, using it for some form of nefarious mm-hmm. purpose, just so we see her kind of, we see her spiraling, but the worst she does is tear down some paper posters in a fit of rage i i wanted a little bit more interesting yeah no that's a good one i could see that for sure how the posters maybe aren't as uh aren't quite in alignment with with the 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 crime that we want uh 
everybody to pay for. <laughs> Although Lisa's really outraged and and, pa- and Paul is fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, like, it's fine. Yeah, we've still got one or two and they're all acting very, very seriously. How are people going to know who to vote for if we don't have posters? Yeah. <laughs> it's the most important thing in the world. Right. This is a very quotable movie. This is probably a tough choice, but best quote for you, Laura. All right. So as a screenwriter, I always start with theme, and that's the thing that's the most important to me when I'm writing. So I picked, you can't interfere with destiny. That's why it's destiny. And if you try to interfere, the same thing's going to happen anyway, and you just suffer. And to me, that just states the whole premise of the film which i think is is lovely it's not like beating you over the head with it but but you know early on that like this is a story about um someone's who's going to suffer for trying to interfere with destiny <laughs> yes very fatalistic quote yes there. Mm-hmm. lizzie what's your quote there was a lot of really really good lines to choose from but for whatever reason when you know at this point he's his life is in shambles. Like he's already calling Linda being like, you've ruined my life. He's got the eye and like everything is just done for him. The election has happened and they're counting the votes. And he walks in as Larry is um, just finishing up counting. And he's like, so who won? He's like, I'm not supposed to tell you who won. He's like, Larry, we're not electing the effing Pope here. Tell me who won. We're like, whatever. Because <laughs> it's like he, in the very beginning of the movie, he tries so hard. And again, it's like, who are you trying to convince? He tries to drive the point home so much. Like, I am the I am the teacher that these kids can lean on and these kids can trust. And I take my job so seriously, not just about teaching them, but about really fostering them through such a crucial time in their childhood. And then to go from that, like, we're not electing the epic Pope, just tell me you won, just feels so funny because he's just fully unhinged now and letting it all hang out. And that for that line tickled me. Yeah. Yeah. These poor kids, they're taking (laughs) all so many kids. You really want taking their job seriously. And then all these kids are super (laughs) serious about completely irrelevant things. (laughs) I'm going with another theme of the movie. And I thought this was great throughout. Uh, Jim says, I'm not talking about ethics. I'm talking about morals. Mm -hmm. And Dave doesn't get it. He says, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because it's Dave, a good one. Dave has uh, violated both, and then Jim winds up violating both. Violating both. That's right. Yeah. All right. Before we get into our ratings, Laura, do you want to tell us again where we can find out more about your latest efforts and where we can follow you? Sure. You can find me on laurahunterdrago.com, which has links to everything else I've done. I have a feature film that's available for free on Tubi called To the New Girl. And uh, a new podcast, as I mentioned, called The Crime at Camp Ashwood. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm like at Laura Hunter Drago pretty much everywhere else. So come say Wonderful. hi. Wonderful. Cool. Wonderful. Please do that. Awesome guest. So we rate at the round table, we are zero to five stars with half star increments. Laura, we will start with you. What are you giving election? I'm going to give it a four. Very good. Very good. Lizzie? Where do you come at? I go with a four as well. I think that there's certain elements of this movie that can put a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And so that is kind of the main reasoning for 
that that one point deduction. But I really feel like overall this movie is smart and it's really clever and funny and I don't at all leave this movie with this warm, fuzzy feeling. Not even a little bit, but I do leave just feeling like I've had a lot of really good laughs and I just – it's a really rewatchable movie and it's something that I feel like everybody should kind of have in their repertoire. And I just I mean, it's, it's kind of a classic. So definitely four stars for me. I'm going to make it three for three. I, I went four stars as well. And you, nice. you stole all of my adjectives because I had <laughs> smart, funny, <laughs> and it's a really good time. So yeah. this, this, this was new to me. And despite the dark material, I still had a good time. I think this is it is. It's rewatchable where some, some of these movies, it's just, I wallow. And then when the credits roll, I'm just blankly staring at the screen like, all right, well, my <laughs> evening's ruined. I'm just uh, going to stare at a wall for an hour and then go to bed. <laughs> this didn't do that to me. <laughs> and, and even as we're talking about this movie, this uh, this makes me happy remembering all these scenes that made me laugh. So yeah. This is great. And we are going to keep in this kind of fun, jolly type season. Lizzie, do you want to help us pick a movie for next time? Yes, yes. So Halloween's over, right? So for people like me, you're breaking out your Christmas stuff right away, unlike my husband who insists that it's done after Thanksgiving. Yep, your husband is correct. (laughs) But but we're going to do some Christmas movies. So option one, The Christmas Star from 1986, A Counterfeiteer Finds the True Meaning of the Holidays. Option number two, Christmas Vacation from 1989, The Griswold Family Plans for a Big Christmas predictably, but it turns into a huge disaster. Or option number three, Scrooged from 1988. A selfish, cynical television executive is haunted by three spirits bearing lessons on Christmas Eve. We have done two Bill Murray movies this year in Caddyshack and What About Bob? And I'm going to make it three. Yeah, I'm going Scrooge from 1988. You guys can write in and tell us which is your favorite. Or... uh, you know, someone could finally suggest Ghostbusters. How we haven't had this. Right, I know. <laughs> Why does no one suggest Ghostbusters? So, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. This was a fun movie to cover. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been really fun. Yep. Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We want you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you when you have nice things to say about us. Subscribe, <laughs> rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. It's not our faces, it's our voices, but that's still a great thing. Go to Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And finally, you can give us money because this is not free to do. It is fun, though. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contributions are very much appreciated. They help go to make this show better for you, the listeners. So as always, thank you guys for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Lizzie? What? Look, it's hard. <laughs>